Hello. This is the house on Valencia Street, and I'll be your host. I use explicit language. Topics of conversation will include ghosts, psychic ability, rape, incest, domestic violence, humor, comedy, using comedy to avoid violence <laughs> in your home, um, willful education, spirituality, Buddhism, agnosticism, atheism, um, willful education, um, foster care, emancipation, therapy, counseling, 12-step, kink, BDSM, recovery, I think I've said that one, mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, this is one person's perspective, and this is a place that's going to be talking about a house that I grew up in, a haunted house I grew up in, in Walla Walla, Washington, my hometown. I'm reaching back decades to bring this to you. I'm also integrating modern news and all kinds of things um, into this place. I came to this microphone to talk to you about a year or two ago. Well, it's about a year now. Through prayer and meditation, as I'm a 25-year Buddhist by now, um, who sat in different cities with lamas and listened to silence or listened to what was there and learned many things. Um, I was driven to create this podcast and it was a bit like punching through the darkness when this happened. I can remember reaching out to God or my version of God or Buddha or what have you. And there's all kinds of ways to understand spirit. And I believe we are equal, see. This voice came to me. Um, it hasn't quite approached me like this before in my prayer and meditation. Because we all get intuitive nudges and nods now and again, depending on our level of awareness or how present we can be. I kept getting this repeated drum of you must talk about this house. You must talk about this house. Talk about this house and the rest will follow. Talk about this house. It's your path that you must carve. And I didn't quite understand why, but I came to the microphone and I came to this place and I fumbled through recording what you're about to hear. Now I want to give you a heads up on this. This is the beginning, and I'm rough as hell. <laughs> the goal in being here is to talk about this place because God and Spirit and my meditation brought me to a place to talk about this old house. This dusty old house that still exists. This dusty old house that has a family and it's still. But I don't know if they know what we live through there. And I don't know if they experience what we experience there. See, I lived at this place over 40 years ago. Well, mm, that's not accurate. Mm, 35, between 30 and 40 years ago. It was a rental then, and five of us lived there, at least for a time. The thing is, there wasn't just physical people living in that house. And there were a lot of secrets, which we're going to be discussing over a few weeks here, maybe longer. Hmm? My goal in being present with you here and recording this cap on this episode is I need to be responsible about some stuff I'm sharing here and give you some context before we plow through here. See, 
Um, oh, I didn't finish my disclaimer. Let me get through the disclaimer before I tell you kind of what to anticipate and then understand that the waters are a little rough to start because I don't know what the hell I'm doing in this episode. You'll hear that. I'll be going, I don't know how to talk about this. <laughs> so I appreciate your patience, you know. But let me finish this disclaimer. Um, if mental health stuff is kicking up for you, please contact a professional. I talk to a therapist, someone who's board certified, someone who's got some degrees. Okay, that's my perception. If you want to, I, I think um, that's what I do. Uh, uh, please find someone who's qualified to give you counseling and therapy. Okay, you understand that is not me. Okay, this is one person's story. This is one case study of how I survived and lived through incest and rape and beatings and being told I was worth nothing and being told I was worth being killed just like my mama was being told I was getting you know being worth killed because we grew up in Walla Walla and everybody just seemed fine with what was going on didn't matter how many times we called the cops they weren't listening they was beating their wives too some of them so <clears throat> I'm going to share what actually happened there and I'm in my 50s and my sister's in my 60s and I got half brothers and sisters in their 40s and 30s, okay? Multi-generations, this goes on. Intergenerational, this goes on. So the whole purpose to talk about this place is I'm putting a fence around this house and I'm telling you, here's a boundary. There's going to be some triggering content here. There's going to be somebody healing and giving education and options for people who may be poor, who maybe don't believe they get to be heard, right? It took me a long time to get to a point where I could even record this. I'm still second guessing if it's a really a good thing, you know, I, for my soul and my spirit and for people listening, you know, because you got to be careful as you go in with context and be responsible. See, so I put a fence around this house and I say, it's not going to be somebody who hasn't been raped telling me how to talk about being raped or someone who hasn't been beat telling me how to talk about being beat and talking about recovery and talking about I get to talk about it. 25 to 33% of women in the United States statistically are estimated to, uh, they say they've been raped. Okay, that's one out of four and one out of three women. And that's just the women that are going to tell you because we all know that um, it's not, there's no motivation to talk about it. We're pariahed. And you're going to hear some pain and anguish a little bit coming up about that, just saying, this is what happened. This is what I'm going to talk about. And I'm claiming this space, motherfucker. Watch out. I'm going to be sitting here talking on this thing. I got my bullhorn. Let's go. You know, and whispers and being quiet and listening, right? Listening is important, too. I felt a sense of responsibility. And there's something that I'll be talking about coming up here just to give you a heads up. Before we get into that, I'm still in disclaimer land. Let's see. I got a podcast, anchor.fm forward slash MoMA, M-O-H-M-A-H. Give that a listen if you'd like to. You can donate five bucks a month, ten bucks a month, five bucks a cup of coffee, ten bucks is a meal. And with my budget, I can help. That can help. See, <laughs> um, MoMA, MoMA is my mama's nickname, for my, my special nickname for her, M-O-H-M-A-H. That's our little nickname. Um Let's see, I'll be opening up options for possibly communicating with me, but this is raw content. What I can do is show up and record this and um, and work and build towards opening up to a community or talking to other people who may have survived stuff like this. It's just as triggering as heck, and uh, you can understand why I've got some cautious boundaries around it, right? So um, my goal is to offer a perspective of someone who survived this ha stuff. You know, I'm a foster kid, and by the time I was 30, half of my foster sisters were dead. I'm only in touch with one of them still, see. 
I want that to change because women shouldn't be dying and babies and kids shouldn't be getting raped and beaten and thrown to, to hell just because people don't want to listen or it's inconvenient or we are just fine with it. And I'm not. So I'm talking about it. Um, one of the ways I survived is comedy. Uh, I, I've got over 50 comedy albums. I just study riffs and callbacks and, and that's a big tool that my mother had in dealing with what was getting done to us, right? Now, this family of psychics, and before we get into this recording, too, and I know I keep saying, I gotta warn you, I gotta warn you, but um, I have carried a heaviness and a ponderance on this for so long, just trying to make sure I'm doing the right thing, see? Um, let me offer a couple resources before we get to this next part. Um, suicidal thoughts happen sometimes. That's part of mental health stuff. That's not one of my issues, but sometimes people have those. Um, there was a famous singer that my mother loved that just passed away uh, from uh, as a result of her mental Ill illness, and I've been thinking quite a lot about her. So I want to be responsible and talk about that, just acknowledge that. Um, if you ever need some help or you think it's getting dark and you think you, know, you need some help on that, there's a place called the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. They're available 24 hours a day. You can call them at 800-273-8255. It's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That's 800-273-8255. If you're, and there's also the National Sexual Assault Hotline. Um, so I'll say it one more time. I sometimes make mistakes and I let myself do that now and again. <clears throat> the National Sexual Assault Hotline is for people who've lived through domestic violence and rape and incest and the like, and I'm an incest and rape survivor. Um, I've called this phone line, it's RAIN, R-A-I-N-N, -N, and that was built as an organization It's about 20, 30 years old, and Tori Amos was one of the founders of R-A-I-N-N, -N, the National Sexual Assault Hotline. Phone number is 800-656-4673. Eight hundred six five six four six seven three. These are a couple resources. You may not get everything on that first call. It might take a couple of weeks. You might have to call them once a week to get it. You know, but keep trying. Um, locally, there's going to be domestic violence shelters. There's going to be hotlines for domestic violence locally. Sometimes it's smart to go to the cops. Sometimes it's not. You're going to have to evaluate that. And I'll I'll share some stories about what I'll walk through. See. Um, I want to talk about suicide a little bit. Um, I've been thinking about that since I've mentioned a, this recent famous singer passed as a result of her mental illness. She was a real big mental health advocate, and I really appreciate her talking about her experience and her strength and her hope. And she made it to her 70s, which is a real testament of survival for what she lived through. Um, um, I come from an intuitive family, and we communicate sometimes channel and they tell us stuff. One way we know that there's some concrete evidence to it is frequently these spirits will give you concrete details, facts or dates or objects or phrases that there's no way I could know. And then I'm, when I'm getting communicated with, because I come from a long line of psychics and I come from a long line of farmers, see? And it, with all the mess that you'll be hearing about coming up here, um, that psychic stuff is something that's, a, I feel like it's genetic going down the line. But sometimes when you're channeling, you're going to be talking to all kinds of spirits. In the past, when I've been doing psychic readings for friends and family, 
I've been requested to do readings on people who suicided. Now I've talked to other spirits that have suicided where they were elevated and healed. Um, although many times if it's a spirit and somebody's coming to me with a spirit or a problem, um, sometimes spirits when they pass over, they still have that problem, you know, and sometimes the spirits when they pass over, there was a mechanical problem with their body that was giving them wrong information and synapses were firing that were saying suicide, suicide, or they were rape and incest survivors, or they were trauma survivors and their bodies kept repeating the pattern. Because if you know PTSD, there's all kinds of symptomology with that. We'll be talking about that more in the podcast. Um, because I've had 10 years of therapy and I've been doing service work for about 20 to 30 years in 12 step groups. So, um, but, um, I want to acknowledge spiritually that when I talk about suicide in this upcoming recording, I'm in a lot of pain. I, it's really hard for me to acknowledge talking about this to you. And I, I, I'm not sure I should do it. You're going to hear this reservation in my voice. Like, I don't know if I should talk to you about this. And um, I'm in fear and I'm in pain. And, and so what happens is I kind of spill into the story of, of what I talk about coming up is related to a particular, I'm not saying it directly, but, I channeled some, I worked with somebody in IT. I had a long IT career for 15 years. And um, someone I worked with had a relative, a father who had passed away via suicide. And she wanted me to talk to this person. And it's the longest I've spent talking to a spirit who suicided, who wasn't right, or how do I say this, who, who wasn't happy and wasn't, um, it was like they were looking at the ground and not up to the light. It was like, the person I was talking to couldn't um, see outside of this box that they had created. Okay. So when I'm talking about this experience coming up here, this is one I'm relating to one particular channeling experience I had with a friend and the spirit or this person I was talking to, it was really difficult to communicate with them. Okay. Um, I've experienced channeling or talking to spirits who have suicided or gone over if they have mental health issues or if they've been a rape or trauma, incest survivor, that type of thing, where once they get to the other side, they're in relief because their body isn't giving them those misfired synapses. And it's like there was a mechanical problem and the spirit couldn't hear, you know, but once it got to the other side after the relief of trying to put up with this broken body that kept putting this wrong thought into their head or this self-destructive thought into their head. I don't want to judge the thought, but um, I've seen spirits be relieved and almost open up like butterflies and um, the way they're communicating to me, they feel a sense of uh, elevation or relief and they can go to the next chapter. <clears throat> so in conclusion, what I want to say is I don't think it's one flavor. And I think I don't do a service to people who passed as a result of their mental illness in this upcoming conversation. So I want to apologize for being emotionally distraught because I'm talking about incest and rape in this traumatic haunted house. Yet I also have some empathy for me as I'm listening to this going, okay, you're trying and I think you should leave it in there because it's kind of, an example of you, you could do better and you know, you can do better. And I'm doing, trying to do that right now. See? So, um, in conclusion, I think there's a lot out there. We don't know. And I think that I want to share some experiences from my family that are witness testimony. Um, I have a sister 
who will be intermingled with this that I'm communicating with, who's sharing her experience and we're comparing notes because when you have trauma like this, it's really hard sometimes to talk about it. And there's these small little windows where you can see it. If you want to see an example of that, there's a docu-series about the Judds, which is a band I admire quite a bit. That uh, series reveals a lot about that family, but it also they were going through this transitional thing that was a really important thing. And someone had to tell somebody something that they had was heavy on their heart and they felt a responsibility. And it was really, it deeply impacted their relationship. They had to separate for a while, you know, and, and there's still, there was so much pain that it was really almost hard to be around each other. And that's what you'll find with family like this. In my experience, when you acknowledge what you've walked through, when it's the most dramatic, hard stuff that anyone can live through, being around the people you love that's your family is love and pain. And sometimes it's too much, right? So that's one example I'll turn to. And my family's like that too, some. Um, some of us have gotten therapy. Some of us haven't. Um, some of us have long, strong judgments about shame and judgment, about spiritual perspectives and, you know, a particular type of religion. And um, you'll notice too with Christianity, I kind of, I've studied it in college. I've taken college courses on Christianity as mythology and as history and as religion. Um, but I lived in a Mormon foster home and we were being molested there. Okay. And the city I spent my adult life in here locally, uh, here in Oregon, the Mormon church is being sued because their youth minister was diddling the kids and he had a record and that church was just fine with it. Okay. So, well, uh, culturally, we're just fine with it a lot of times. So this environment here, the house on Valencia Street, is where I'm going to talk about what we live through. I'm also going to talk about the fact that my family has psychics and former farmers, dirt poor, a lot of abuse, and people that got therapy and recovery and 12-step and learned how to heal. If anything I can give you, it, it may not be perfect. It may be messy as hell. But if there's love, in my experience and I show up every day and I give myself the daily meditation and I pray and talk to my ancestors. Well, they help, they talk to me. <laughs> I have to make a quiet space to hear them though. I try to do that every day. So <clears throat> buckle up babies. We got a, <laughs> we got a rad coming up here. Um, I'm really grateful. I want you to meet my family. I want you to be truthful with you about what my family is. I'm tired of hiding. I'm tired of apologizing. I love my mother. She's Darlene. I love my grandma. She's Mildred. And I got sisters I love too. Come on into the house. This is a place where you don't got to be ashamed to be what you is. As long as you're responsible, as long as you're over 18, as long as everybody's consenting and it's direct and it's understood, well, you get to be here. <laughs> I hope you like to play cards and laugh. We're into that too. Okay. All right, kids. Um, thank you so much for being here. It's a dusty old house here. There's ghosts and demons. and Well, there's love and there's God. Well, or spirit or whatever fits for you some, huh? All right. Thank you. Uh, I'm looking forward to the ride. Let's go.
Hello. This is the house on Valencia Street. I'll be your host. It has been difficult to come to this microphone to speak to you. I have decades. I have ghosts. This podcast is a place where I am going to share about a house I lived in. It haunts me still, and it still haunts people in my family. The reason, there are lots of reasons this place is significant. I'll go ahead and get the general disclaimer crap out of the way. Uh, I use explicit language and I cuss like a fucking sailor, not to disparage sailors. Um, Topics of conversation and content are going to be um, spirit, Buddhism, paranormal, um, (laughs) kink, BDSM, uh, rape, incest, uh, being beat, um, foster care, emancipation, um, (laughs) therapy, recovery. And um, that's going to be a lot of it. The purpose of this place from my heart and from the hours of meditation and prayer that have brought me to this doorstep to talk to you, um, the house on Valencia Street is probably the most fucked up place I've ever been. Well, no, not, no, uh, that's, let me, I could say that better. Uh, the, the house on Valencia Street is, um, the most haunted house I have ever lived in in my in my life, and I have lived in a haunted apartment after that. But um, and my grandma, one of my grandmas on my dad's side, but she was not an ass woman, let me tell you. Um, but she had a haunted fucking house out in that goddamn farm field. I mean, the way that oh, I come from a long line of people that are farmers, and some of the farmers on my grandma's side were dirt fucking poor. I'm hoping I'm going to get to introduce you to a couple people in my lineage because they brought me to you. I come from a long line of psychics. We don't like to talk about it some. One of the reasons I'm also here, and I'll point this out specifically, there's a lot of people trying to help with mental health health podcasts out there. And I got to tell you, you're helping me get through this fucking pandemic. I record this today as of uh, April 4th, 2021. Uh, It's about midnight, which why wouldn't you be recording at midnight, especially if you lean towards Wicca and Druid things anyway. The house on Valencia Street had a lot of ghosts. Three of four daughters that lived there saw ghosts, and I'm one of them. And when I retell that to you, if I do share that with you, I'm going to have to pause and hem and haw because you're talking to someone who's traumatized. Okay? Here at the house, if you've got PTSD, that's okay. Here at the house, do you believe in ghosts? Have you been raped? Did you go to a therapist? Did they gossip and criticize you out of your 20-year 12-step group? Well, maybe you want to have a seat. I've got a cup of tea going today. Right now it's uh, Celestial Seasons Peppermint. The box on that's real pretty. This is a place where you're not going to be ashamed to talk about the fact that your grandpa fucked you when you were four. This is going to be a place where if you got recall memories that are tripping on you, and you're knocked on your ass for two weeks and you can't eat for three days, 
you can come here and talk about it maybe, or maybe think about it and listen with me. In this place, I'm not going to feel ashamed of myself. In this place, with my 150 IQ, you're not going to tell me I don't make any sense. This has been a long goddamn time coming. I got some things and some people I need to introduce you to. They ain't always pretty and they ain't always got a goddamn bow around them, but a couple of them got my heart. And a couple of them taught me how to love. And that's how I survived that goddamn fucking ripped open tear through the universe and the vortex of whatever the fuck Valencia Street has. Because if you want to think about what Valencia Street is, Valencia Street is, think the poltergeist movie, Light. Minus the 10-foot-tall vagina dentata. <laughs> Would you fucking tell me where that comes from? Now, granted, I have a woman's body. And granted, I am bisexual. I like the person and the soul. I am also a Buddhist, 25-plus years. You're going to hear me dropping a lot of that. And also, I'm going to say this. I'm going to apologize to all the Buddhists out there. I've sat with several lamas in different cities and... I would not have survived the hell that is the PTSD of the bones that I walk if I hadn't had my Buddhism. Because quite frankly, Buddhism teaches you not necessarily to be calm and centered all the time. Buddhism teaches you to be aware of what you're doing, to be conscious, to be present. And there's people walking around like me. That just being here looking at you, talking to you is going to take about half my energy. I think they call that collecting spoons. <laughs> So I'm going to be a storytelling podcast, but the main intention is, one, um, these things exist. There are ghosts. There are spirit. And today, I'm not going to be ashamed of the fact that my grandma was a psychic. You know? I'm not going to be ashamed of that. She came, We came down the line. We had a long line of psychics in our family. Feminine knowledge and power means something here, okay? It's going to be an uncomfortable podcast at times. But I'll take a note from Karen Kilgariff on uh, My Favorite Murder, and thank you for that podcast, and thank you for your work, Karen Kilgariff. You humble me all the time. Start bitchy. Get nice. Yeah. Go with that. I like that a lot. Well, I don't like that a lot. To survive in the body with what has been done to me and what I have, that's what I got. If you hold tight for a little bit, you'll get to the soft, warmy, yummy. Sometimes they're kind of mingled. <laughs> Anyway, pass on Valencia Street has a lot of hard time existing sometimes. Also, I am that house in a lot of ways. Haunted. Some fucked up shit has gone on there. Providing shelter. Providing space. But the basement has a couple of unfinished rooms with dirt floors. And they vibrate like you're walking by a transformer compound. You know, when you walk by those little transistor transformer electrical stations that are out, you know, by your house to help rig up all the power that's going out there. And you can kind of walk by and you can feel this. There's something coming off of that. And it's ozone and it's electrical current. And it's all these things that are calculated in order to maintain this thing that we use in our house, right? It's, this particular form of energy we consume. However, <laughs> and all of you know this, because when traumatic things happen spiritually, when intense things happen, there's a resonance, there's an energy, there's an electricity to it. 
okay? So for example, as a child in the basement, I can remember walking around and there were these holes and these places where I would, I would play by myself because I was a neglected kid. Not because my mama meant to, not be, well, my daddy meant to, but my mama didn't. But I spent a lot of time by myself playing. And one of the reasons I became a network administrator and a systems analyst from some very large Fortune 100 companies later, and that sometimes I've had headhunters fighting over me. We'll send you to Cupertino for this much. We'll send you to Palo Alto for that much. How about Colorado? We'll get you an apartment. We'll pay to move you. It's pretty flattering when you got a brain that big that people want you like that. But essentially, you're a goddamn piece of meat, just to let you know. <sighs> sometimes there's a resonance. And you've all been there. All We've all fucking been there. You walk into a house you've never been there. You're like, something fucked up happened here. Or somebody was in love here. You know what I mean? Sometimes all of it. But I can remember being a child playing in that basement and looking around and you just walk by, you just stop. You could feel it. The earth was talking to you. There was something there that shouldn't have been there and something bad happened there. You don't know what it was and you can't prove it. You can't ask anybody because everybody's gone that was maybe even here. And this is an old fucking house. It's an old fucking house. It's a tall. It kind of remind me of like American Gothic, the brothel, the actual brothel behind the picture of American Gothic, the uh, painting. It's got that tall, kind of thin, rectangular, angled, sloped ceiling and, or not, uh, roof, right? But the basement, man, there, I, there's so many rooms in this house. I'm not going to stop with the stories because they just, they're like a cornucopia of fucked up weirdness, you know? So, and also grace and also joy, but I don't even know where to start. You're not going to believe the stuff I'm going to be telling you. I don't know. It happened. It happened. And who cares if I got a name? Do you need my name? Does anybody? I'm going to be a lot more free to talk to you if you don't know who the hell I am. And I've got some things to say that are not going to, they're going to be tea. They're going to be receipts. <laughs> so maybe if I'm not a person and I'm an anonymous person, that's going to help y'all. I hate that feeling of walking into something and you can just tell something happened there and, and somebody needs to be heard. And justice needs to happen. And until it does, it's going to be vibrating like that. You know what I mean? You can just feel it. <laughs> My grandmother, Mildred, in Colfax, Washington, in the tenement that she was living in, the poverty that she survived and the early death that she experienced because of it. My mother, too. And most likely me. I will probably die early because the free clinic where I get my blood pressure medication sustains me. But I'm talking to you with a cheap pair of glasses and I got a post-it note over one eye because I need to see an ophthalmologist and I don't got the money. I've been to the free clinic to have them take a look at it. And guess what? I got 20-25 vision, 20-20 in the other. Don't matter if I got headaches or if I can't see out that eye, so... I'm I can, but it hurts. 30 years of looking at screens for 50 hours a day. Well, that's an exaggeration. I can say that better. 15 hours a day. My grandma Mildred in Colfax, Washington, told me that I should not be ashamed of the fact that my family has psychics in us. I will tell you a story, perhaps, down the line of my gambling addiction, which I have not engaged with in over nine years. February 14th, 2012 is my date. Thank you very much. 
I'll make it to 10 years. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, by the way, I'm a 12-stepper long-term. I may be a shining example or a horrible warning, <laughs> as they say in the program. But Grandma Mildred taught me that we were psychics and you could lay on hands and you could soothe. We'd lay hands on her leg for her diabetes. Try to make it hurt less. Because that's what we had. That's all we had. I hope I honor my grandma Mildred, who taught me I could be a psychic and whose husband raped at least eight of us. You tell me how you love a grandmother who sat beside that because I talk to her every day. If you're going to tell me I got to apologize for existing because I got PTSD and I'm twitchy as fuck and I'm hypervigilant because of what they did to me. Well, then you can listen to a story or two from my voice where I don't have to apologize for what I am. I'm sick of apologizing for the fact that I'm like this. I survived hell. I survived things that my foster sister, Tony, I won't say her name. Tony L. Tony L. I have more freedom if I don't identify people. We do that in 12-step too. Tony L., my foster sister, she was a good 400-pound woman. Died 25. She was a girl. Why was she 400 pounds? I think you all know why. Because when they're raping and putting you down and calling you an idiot, maybe you're going to eat that thing over there because it makes you feel better. <laughs> Glenda, she was dead 27. I survived. Seven years therapy, good 25, 30 years in 12-step, and the power of God in my estimation, and a mother that loved me and shielded me as best she could and got therapy and she went to the meadows in arizona for romantic relationship addiction which i also suffered when i was younger i believe i think a lot of women do you're taught to base your identity on your male partner if you have one mama got recovery mama learned how to say i'm sorry Mama learned what amends is, and I'm not going to tell you popcorn bullshit amends, like actually listening to you. How can I make this better? How can I make this better? You can. I honor Darlene, and I honor Mildred, and they'll be part of this cast. Mama is funny as fuck, and you're welcome. So you'll be hearing more about her, hopefully. I was talking to my sister who also lived at Valencia Street. My sister has multiple sclerosis and she's in rehab right now, which scares the hell out of me with COVID. I told her I've been wanting to talk about this place because I'm still haunted by the dreams, the dreams. So she, I told her I felt like the house on Valencia Street too. Present, working, fucked up, judged, left on our own but still carrying the resilience in a, in a heart that loves and wonders if they hadn't beaten and raped me, if they hadn't told me to take it easy and calm down and diagnose me with anxiety disorder when they didn't diagnose Howard with big fists that put you into the goddamn hospital, then what's my fucking problem? I'm not the problem. I'm not the problem here. There's a lot of us walking around. I nearly called this podcast the My Medusa podcast. I wanted to call the podcast the Medusa podcast. 
I am she. So the problem with that is if you've read Ovid's Metamorphosis, because mm, historically that's probably the first reference of that particular myth. And gee, I want to take a guess at what gender demographic wrote that fucking tale. What do you think, huh? <laughs> Medusa, a virgin, a spiritual woman. She was working. She was working there at that spiritual place, honoring as she could. And then some powerful man comes along and says, I'm going to rape you. Ha ha. And then some wife comes along and said, my husband raped you. You're the problem. Ha ha. You're cursed now. Guess what? You and your little gargoyle sisters and brethren, they're going to be immortal. No, we're going to take you. You're immortal. Fuck you. Hey, you like snakes? Well, you better. You're going to have them for a while. And how about this? You want to get close to anybody? Well, there's going to be some issues with that. She existed. She had a good heart, Medusa. Guess what they did to her? Guess what they did to me? The house on Valencia Street will be on a place where I don't have to apologize about that. Okay? That's the deal. You want to come visit me here? There's going to be some rules. You're not going to make me feel ashamed for what I am. I'm going to talk about it. I'm talking about it. All of it. Part of the price you're going to pay for listening to this is sometimes it's going to be really uncomfortable, but you're going to find some grace and you're going to get access to stuff that you might commonly not get to. Like, for example, oh, I don't know. As a gambling addict who's paid taxes on three jackpots, um, when you get a government form on a jackpot you've learned, you've learned, um, mm, mm. when you make a jackpot in a casino, uh, you're going to pay taxes. And if it gets over $1,200, they have to file a form. So, and then you got to decide, and then that way, you know, your earnings, right? So, so they always talk about that, you know, if it's a hand pay, then it's going to be 1200 So, um, my last gamble or the turning point or my bottom for my gambling was a psychic situation where I was told on Wednesday morning between 2 and 5.30 in the morning on the jackpot carnival bank of this particular casino in the non-smoking section, the grand jackpot of over $4,500 will drop. I'm going to pause for a second. I don't know if you noticed how many detailed specifics I just mentioned, but that's what God gave me. I was told that before I trusted it. And I've been, you know, coming from my grandma, when you're getting beaten and raped and you're doing all these kinds of things, you learn tasks and you learn skills and your intuition becomes an important thing because it's going to, you're going to avoid being harmed by intuiting and paying attention. You also kind of extend your nerves and energy outside of you to have these feelers. I think there's a lot of stuff in that uh, PTSD literature about that, you know, that hypervigilance and stuff, right? So my last gamble and the turning point for the bottom of my recovery and my gambling addiction was driven by my mother's death. I was driven to it by my mother's death, um, which we'll get to some of that. I think we grieve in all kinds of ways, but I didn't become a gambling addict like my father, who was a gambling addict. There is a genetic predisposition to this stuff. I'm going to tell you that much. And I'm, a, like, I'm, a, I'm the fucking human Petri dish on that one. But I'll tell you what, um, I'm telling you that I stopped gambling 
because after God gave me very specific information at about, about a particular jackpot and I went there, well, God gave it to me. Uh-huh. I got to witness it being given to someone else. The grand jackpot dropped. It was about 4.30 in the morning on a Wednesday. It was on the jackpot Carnival Bay because God told me to be there at that time, and I was. I sat there for two and a half hours milking that son of a bitch. That thing was outside of the range. Progressives always go in a situation where they're going to be, um, they start at this, like 4,000, and they're going to build, they got a window. And they tell you that because they incrementally build so that once they get to the top of that window, they're going to drop. So that's a good opportunity. You got a good chance for winning that progressive if you're hanging out when it's at the top of that range, if those uh, progressive displays are accurate. I'm going to pause for a second. In my previous history of work, I installed networks at casino accounting systems. So I'm going to be talking about the mechanisms here a little differently than others. So, but if you got a big brain and you want to figure out how to do stuff, you pay attention to patterns like this and it might be lucrative. See, also, if you got an intuition because you got it beaten and raped into you and foster cared and emancipated into you, why not exploit that knowledge, right? So, okay, MacGyver in a body of a woman. Okay, so um, here we go. We're looking at this thing and I'm watching this and this woman gets this, and it's the exact thing. It's the grand jackpot. It's the 4,500 and she's sitting right next to me. I was working that goddamn thing for two and a half hours. She comes up, sits down 10 minutes, bingo. And I'm like, I'm looking at it. You know, that was that moment, that crystallized moment of recognition where a spirit is showing you, you're looking at the wrong thing. You don't get it. If you ain't going to get it, we're going to bitch slap you and then you're going to get it. Okay. Fuck around and find out. Right. Okay. That was my turning point for my addiction. And within about six months, I was getting therapy. I was going to a counselor. And the crux of it was um, mama died. And I didn't want to live. And I didn't know what I was going to do. So I just kept going. Because I am not going to commit suicide. Spiritually, that's one thing I like. When you are psychic, if you have communicated with suicided spirits, it ain't pretty. They're missing something. They can't see it. They're stuck. Their spirit is just stuck and they can't get out. They're like in a box and they created their own box. And again, you don't have to believe the stuff I'm talking about, but my family's psychics and at the house in Valencia Street, I'm not going to be ashamed of it. So we're going to tell you about some experiences. But an example of my psychic ability is that part of the way I got jackpots was what I just described to you. But part of the way God told me you're looking at the wrong thing and this is destructive is it said, I'll give you a map and then I'll give that, I'm going to give the bounty to somebody else. And now you need to take a look at what the fuck you're doing, girl. <sighs> and I did. I want to say a gratitude 12 step. I want to say a gratitude to a lot of people in 12 step that were patient with me. And I also want to give a nice kick in the ass to some of those assholes that exploited that context for a target-rich environment to, to fuck as many people. There's some fucking predators in those environments, and you know there's fucking predators because there's a bunch of broken people going there trying to get fixed. <clears throat> I got some feelings on that. <clears throat> I also got some feelings on the gut. Mm. Well, let's pause for a second. Grace, I want to do that. I, I think I can say that better. Um, blank, death of a thousand tangents. Next. Okay, let's switch. So my goal here is to be present. 
I, I could polish it up. I could put on something nice. I could sit there and go, hi there, you come to the podcast and I'm going to make it all sound so schmoozy and lovely. And baby, if you've heard of Don Hanley's song, Dirty Laundry, I'm going to make it sound as schmoozy and beautiful as that kind of portrays and, you know, puts it together. Exactly like that. I think about that song. I think about that song all the time in the context of this pandemic and the fucking insurrection. I'm like, it's still the same. It's still the goddamn same. And before that, quote, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore, quote. Was that broadcast or network? I think it was the movie Network. Down the line. Everybody, it's this weird mechanism, you know, of exploitation. Of um, Harry just wants to be a guy with a woman and he wants to have a couple of kids. Okay, he's Diana's son. But can you? is there an option? Is there an option? Well, sometimes. But you're going to be a goddamn fucking pariah and they're going to talk shit all over you. May they, they may fucking paparazzi you to death, Diana. At the house of Valencia Street, I'm going to ask the question of why my mama was diagnosed with anxiety disorder and given a psychiatric stay. And my stepdad, Howard, the manager under the postmaster at the uh, Walla Walla post office. Can you tell me why he didn't get diagnosed with fists that beat women into hospitals? And can you tell me why the four cops that were at my door before I was four years old and turned the other way and walked away and said, oh, I guess you got a domestic here. You guys work it out because they're fucking beating their wives, too. Statistically speaking, we're talking about 50 to 60 percent during I, I saw a study recently after Black Lives Matter, after the insurrection. They're taking a look at let's take a look at cops. I mean, and I, that's a complex job and a complex context, but. You know, why didn't any first grade teacher ask me when they asked me on career day why I wanted to be a policewoman with a very big German Shepherd dog? Nobody asked me why. They should have. And maybe today they are because there's a bunch of kids out there. And my goal, well, number one, you better be 18 or older listening to this because this is not appropriate. This is not appropriate content for you. If you're below that, um, because I, I don't want to filter. And when I turned 50, I said I get to fucking cuss as much as I want. If I have elders that I respect, if I'm in a church, if I'm in a business environment where it's not appropriate, certainly. But I'm not apologizing for who I am right now. Not at the house. Not the house on Valencia Street. We got some important work to get to. And I'm only going to have maybe three or four salient focused hours in between managing the symptoms of my PTSD that I got to manage every fucking day. While we're rounding this out, the pattern is I'm going to get my shot. I got the vaccine appointment today. I've been crying and sobbing. I don't know about you, but when I made that appointment for the vaccine as a poor woman who goes to the free clinic to get my blood pressure medication, I, I thank God. I praise God. I've been spending most of the morning meditating and praying. And I had an outcome card, a tarot reading that told me, Six of Cups specifically, which was one of my favorite cards in the tarot deck, talks about childhood, acquaintance, and love, bringing you a gift. And then within an hour, I get a text from my friend Lucy. Oh, I can call her Lucy. I will. I'm not, I'm trying to keep people uh, anonymous here so I have more freedom to talk and for copyright infringement and all that stuff. But um, I've got a long-term friend of 26, 27 years. He's a piano teacher. Oh, maybe I shouldn't say that either. Maybe I could bleep out her name. I want people to have anonymousness and I want people to have freedom to claim space. But 
I got a phone call from one of my dearest friends today, or a text, and she told me the vaccine was available. And she said it was available for everybody. And she said she got the link and gave it to me. And I just, I just, I couldn't process it. I didn't, I thought it was going to be months, months. How many of us are sitting here? That's another reason I'm talking about the house on Valencia Street, because a lot of us are traumatized with this pandemic and we're trying to survive this, especially some of us like me who are diagnosed with PTSD, who are diagnosed with social anxiety disorder. We need a place to come where we're accepted, right? This is the place. So that vaccine, I walked around dysregulated this morning, just the vaccine, the vaccine, the vaccine. I, I just, I couldn't, I was, and I was seeing the trauma. I was seeing that I had been traumatized. We've all, so many of us have paid such a price. I know people dead of COVID. Um, let's hold hands. Let's keep warm. Let's open our hearts. Let's ask Buddha to show an abode. There's so many abodes. There's so many places to be calm. And when I'm reflecting my Buddhism, there's going to be vast tracts of land in Buddhism that I am unaware of and uneducated on, and I will apologize. No, I'm not going to apologize. What I've got is kind of working for me. Maybe it'll work for you too. I don't know. I'd like to maybe hear from you too, but I'm so twitchy about approaching. I don't even know if I can... My goal is to be present. My goal is to be... A uh, to be a person who has PTSD uh, diagnosis, who believes in ghosts, who's a psychic. And guess what? I don't need to lie. And I don't need your fucking validation. This exists whether or not you think it exists, okay? And I also want to give you some shout out for, I appreciate your patience because it's going to be a little bit uneven because that's what Valencia Street House is. And I get 